Chapter 2 Moses God's Voice A great deal more room is given in Scripture to the call of men to God's work than there is to their end. For instance, we don't know where or how Isaiah died, but we know a great deal about God's call to him when he saw God on high and lifted up on his throne. I suppose it is true today that hundreds of young men and women who are listening for a call and really want to know what their life's mission is find it the greatest problem they ever had. Some don't know what profession or work to take up, so I would like to consider the call of Moses and see if we cannot draw some lessons from it. You may remember when God met Moses at the burning bush and called him to do as great a work as any man has ever been called to in this world. Moses thought that the Lord had made a mistake and that he was not the right man for the job. He asked, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the sons of Israel out of Egypt? Exodus chapter 3, verse 11. He was very small in his own estimation. Forty years earlier, he had started out as many others have done. He thought he was pretty well equipped for service. He had been in the schools of the Egyptians. He had been in the palaces of Egypt, where he had moved among the elite, sophisticated society. Undoubtedly, he had all the advantages any man could have when he started out, without calling on the God of Abraham for wisdom and guidance. Yet he broke down. How many men have started in some profession and failed in it? They haven't heard the voice of God. They haven't waited upon God for instruction. I suppose Moses thought that the children of Israel would be greatly honored to know that a prince of the kingdom was going to take up their cause. You will remember, though, how he lost his temper and killed the Egyptian, and on the next day, when he interfered in a quarrel between two Hebrews, they wanted to know who had made him judge and ruler over them. He had to flee into the desert, and he remained there for forty years hidden away. Exodus chapter 2, verses 14 through 15, Acts chapter 7, verses 23 through 36. Moses killed the Egyptian and lost his influence through that action. Murder for liberty, wrong for right. It was a poor way to reform abuses, and Moses needed training. Forty years was a long time for God to keep him in his school. It was a long time for a man to wait in the prime of his life from forty to eighty. Moses had been brought up with all the luxuries that Egypt could give him, and now he was a shepherd. In the sight of the Egyptians, a shepherd was an abomination. I think Moses started out with a bigger head than heart, and I believe that is the reason so many fail. They have big heads and little hearts. If a man has a shriveled-up heart and a big head, he is a monster. Perhaps Moses looked down on the Hebrews. Many people start out with the idea that they are great and other people are small, and they think they are going to bring others up on the high level with themselves. God never yet used a man like that. Perhaps Moses was a slow scholar in God's school, so God had to keep him there for forty years. Now he was ready. He was just the man God wanted, and God called him. Moses asked, Who am I? He was very small in his own eyes, just small enough so God could use him. If you had asked the Egyptians who he was, they would have said he was the biggest fool in the world. They would have said, Look at the opportunity that man had. He could have been commander of the whole Egyptian army. He could have been on the throne, swaying the scepter over the whole world if he hadn't identified himself with those poor, miserable Hebrews. Think what an opportunity he has lost and what a privilege he has thrown away. 
Moses had dropped out of the public mind for forty years, and they didn't know what had become of him. But God had his eye upon him. He was the very man of all others whom God wanted, and when he met God with that question, Who am I? It didn't matter who he was, but who his God was. When people learn the lesson that they are nothing and God is everything, there is not a position in which God cannot use them. It was not Moses who accomplished that great work of redemption, for he was only the instrument in God's hand. God could have spoken to Pharaoh without Moses. He could have spoken in a voice of thunder and broken the heart of Pharaoh with one speech if he had wanted to, but he condescended to take up a human agent and use him. He could have sent the angel Gabriel down, but he knew that Moses was the man wanted above all others, so he called him. God uses men to speak to men. He works through mediators. He could have accomplished the exodus of the children of Israel in a moment, but instead he chose to send a lonely and despised shepherd to work out his purpose through pain and disappointment. That was God's way in the Old Testament and in the New. He sent his own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be the mediator between God and man. Moses went on making excuses. He asked, When I come unto the sons of Israel and say unto them, The God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and if they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? Exodus chapter 3 verse 13. I suppose he remembered how he failed when he went before he was sent that other time, and he was afraid of failure again. A man who has failed once is always afraid he will fail again. He loses confidence in himself. It is a good thing to lose confidence in ourselves in order to gain confidence in God. The Lord said, I am, Yahweh has sent me unto you. Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. Someone has said that God gave him a blank check, and all Moses had to do was fill it out from that time on. When he wanted to bring water out of the rock, all he had to do was fill out the check. When he wanted bread, all he had to do was fill out the check, and the bread came. He had a rich banker. God had taken him into partnership with himself. God had made him his heir, and all he had to do was look to him, and he got all he wanted. Yet he seemed to back away and make another excuse. He said, They will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice. Exodus chapter 4 verse 1. He was afraid of the Israelites, as well as of Pharaoh. He knew how hard it was to get even your friends to believe in you. Now, if God has sent us with a message, it is not for us to say whether or not others will believe it. We cannot make them believe. If I have been sent by God to make people believe, He will give me power to make them believe. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot persuade men and overcome skepticism and infidelity unless we are baptized with the Holy Spirit and with power. God told Moses that they would believe Him, that He would succeed, and that he would bring the children of Israel out of bondage. But Moses seemed to distrust the God who had spoken to him. Then the Lord asked, What is that in thy hand? Exodus chapter 4 verse 2. Moses had a rod or staff, a sort of shepherd's crook, which he had made when he had needed something that would serve him in the desert. It is only a rod, Moses answered. God explained to Moses that with that rod he would deliver the children of Israel. God showed Moses that the rod would help Israel believe that God was with him. Therefore, they will believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared unto thee. 
Exodus chapter 4, verse 5. When God Almighty linked Himself to that rod, it was worth more than all the armies the world had ever seen. Look and see how that rod did its work. It brought up the plagues of flies and the thunderstorm, and it turned the water into blood. It was not Moses, however, nor his rod that did the work, but it was the God of the rod, the God of Moses. As long as God was with him, he could not fail. Sometimes God's servants seemed to fail. When Herod beheaded John the Baptist, it looked as if John's mission was a failure. But was it? The voice that rang through the valley of the Jordan rings through the whole world today. You can still hear its echo upon the mountains and the valleys. It is expedient unto him to increase, but unto me to decrease. John chapter 3, verse 30. John the Baptist held up Jesus Christ and introduced him to the world, and Herod didn't have power to behead John until his life's work had been accomplished. Stephen only preached one sermon that we know of, and that was to the Sanhedrin, but that sermon has been preached again and again all over the world. Acts chapter 7. After his death came Paul, the greatest preacher the world has seen since Christ left this earth. If a man is sent by Jehovah, there is no such thing as failure. Was Christ's life a failure? See how his parables travel across the earth today. It looked as if the apostles had failed, but see how much has been accomplished. If you read the book of Acts, you will see that every seeming failure in Acts was turned into a great victory. Moses wasn't going to fail, although Pharaoh asked with contempt, Who is the Lord, that I should hearken to his voice to let Israel go? Exodus chapter 5, verse 2. He found out who God was. He found out that there was a God. Moses made another excuse, saying, I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. He said he was not an orator. My friends, we have too many orators. I am sick and tired of silver-tongued orators. I used to regret that I couldn't be an orator. I thought, oh, if I could only have the gift of speech like some men. I have heard men with a smooth flow of language take the audience captive, but they came and they went. Their voice was like the air. There was no power behind it. They trusted in their eloquence and their fine speeches. That is what Paul was thinking about when he wrote to the Corinthians. My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be founded in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4-5 through Consider a witness in court, who tries out his oratorical powers on the witness stand. See how quickly the judge will rule him out. It is the one who tells the plain, simple truth who will have the most influence with the jury. Suppose Moses had prepared a speech for Pharaoh, had his hair all smoothly brushed and had stood before a mirror or had gone to a speech instructor to be taught how to make an oratorical speech, complete with gestures. Suppose he had buttoned his coat, slipped one hand inside, struck an attitude and began, The God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has commanded me to come into the presence of the noble king of Egypt. I think they would have taken his head right off. They had some Egyptians who could be as eloquent as Moses. It was not eloquence they lacked. When you see a man in the pulpit trying to show off his eloquence, he is making a fool of himself and trying to make a fool of the people. Moses was slow of speech, but he had a message, and God wanted him to deliver the message. Moses insisted upon having an excuse. He didn't want to go. 
Instead of being eager to act as heaven's messenger and being God's errand boy, he wanted to excuse himself. The Lord humored him and gave him an interpreter. He gave him Aaron. Now, if there is a foolish thing in the world in this case, it is to talk through an interpreter. I tried it once in Paris. The interpreter and I got up into a little box of a pulpit where there was hardly room enough for one. I said a sentence while he leaned way over to one side, then I leaned over while he repeated it in French. Can you conceive of a more foolish thing than Moses going before Pharaoh and speaking through Aaron? This slow-of-speech man, though, became eloquent. Talk about William Gladstone's power to speak. When Moses was 120 years old, he grew eloquent, as we see in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verses 1-4. through Scripture Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will invoke the name of the Lord, ascribe ye greatness unto our God, the strong one whose work is perfect, for all his ways are right. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and upright is he. Moses turned out to be one of the most eloquent men the world has ever seen. If God sends men and they deliver his message, he will be with their mouth. If God has given you a message, go and give it to the people, as God has given it to you. It is a foolish thing for someone to try to be eloquent. Make your message and not yourself the most prominent thing. Don't be self-conscious. Set your hearts on what God has given you to do, and do not be so foolish as to let your own difficulties or your own abilities stand in the way. It is said that people would go to hear Cicero and would come away and say, Did you ever hear anything like it? Wasn't it sublime? Wasn't it grand? But they would go to hear Demosthenes, and he would fire them up so much that they would want to go and fight at once. They forgot all about Demosthenes, but they were stirred by his message. That was the difference between the two men. Next, Moses said, O my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who thou wilt send. Exodus chapter 4, verse 13. Think what Moses would have lost if God had taken him at his word and said, Very well, Moses, you may stay here in the desert and I will send Aaron or Joshua or Caleb. Don't seek to be excused if God calls you to some service. What would the twelve disciples have lost if they had declined the call of Jesus? I have always pitied those other disciples of whom we read that they went back and walked no more with Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 66. Think what Orpah missed when she returned to her people and what Ruth gained by cleaving to Naomi's God. Her story has been told these three thousand years. Her father, mother, sisters, brothers, the grave of her husband, she turned her back on them all. See Ruth chapter 1, verses 8 through 18. If Ruth could come back, she would tell us that she does not regret her choice. No, her name shines as one of the brightest among all the women who have ever lived. The Messiah was one of her descendants. If Moses could come back, would he tell us he was sorry that God had called him? When he stood in that glorified body on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Elijah, I don't think he regretted it. My dear friends, God is not confined to any one messenger. We are told that he can raise up children out of stones, Matthew chapter 3, verse 9, Luke chapter 3, verse 8. Someone has said that there are three classes of people, the wills, 
the won'ts, and the can'ts. The first accomplish everything, the second oppose everything, and the third fail in everything. If God calls you, consider it a great honor. Consider it a great privilege to have partnership with Him in anything. Do it cheerfully and gladly. Do it with all your heart, and He will bless you. Don't let false modesty, insincerity, self-interest, or any personal consideration turn you aside from the path of duty and sacrifice. If we listen for God's voice, we will hear the call. If He calls and sends us, there will be no such thing as failure, but success will accompany us all along the way. Moses had glorious success because he went forward and did what God called him to do.